When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Damn, that was a good place to end the episode. <laughs> but I don't think. Shit. I mean, uh, you know, that's ultimately up to Casey. I'm, I'm willing to leave gotcha. this in his capable hands. Uh, right. Why should we make that decision when we pay him to make decisions <laughs> like that? Well, you know? But also, like, relieving his workload is always a nice thing to do for our dear good friend Casey. Yes, yes, yes. We all want to be nice to Casey because he has the power to like add fart noises and things that we say. Honestly, he should. That'd be very good. I'd be very. <laughs> I encourage anything that makes me funnier because I think my batting average is about half, which in baseball ah. terms is great. Honestly, yeah. I guess that's true. Yeah, <laughs> fucking major league. <laughs> oh wait a minute! I got an idea how to actually end the episode. Follow Jonnet first. Bonjour. I think Jonnet is—he's <laughs> just like uh, starts to part ways from Gable, and maybe he gets a couple strides from them. He's starts to try and kind of like hum to himself to like force himself to relax a little bit, and in doing that, he gets a little bit more coolness in his stride, and he's just trying to like you know turn his mood around as he's making his way to this cave. Yeah. Yeah. You, you sort of fall into step with it, with that internal rhythm and basically do a bit of walking meditation and it does calm your nerves. I, I think we, we can see Jonnet like moving through the, the festival in Nordia, moving down to lower Nordia and uh, maybe, you know, snapping or, or drumming on things around him as he sort of tries to focus on this rhythm. Above him, we can see storm clouds start to gather and rain start to fall a little bit more intensely. Um, but as you make your way through the city and town, that rain doesn't really seem to bother you. You move across this bridge and it becomes a little bit harder to keep that rhythm, harder to focus on it. There's an unease that grows. I think Jonnet is going to try and maybe combat that a little bit by maybe adding onto the humming, just like a, 
he's sort of patting his chest to maybe establish a rhythm that maybe cuts through um, mm. the sense of dread a little bit. Yeah. Uh, let's have you make a discipline check. Dope. Discipline is dope. All right. What's that going to be? Uh, we'll call this average. Ooh. That's four successes. Oh, yeah. As you mix that in uh, with, with, with your humming, you manage to drop yourself further into that meditation, blocking out kind of the buzzing anxiety around you, uh, protecting the core of your being, allowing yourself to move sm- move smoothly and coolly across the bridge and on this well-trodden path towards the sea cave. You arrive at a place that is shockingly close to the shore and you can hear echoing inside this place a chorus of voices singing together as people are filtering in. When you make your way inside, you can see the cave itself is covered in these oddly shaped mounds of a white mineral. You can see some of them are shaped like everyday objects, things like a pot or maybe a knife, different things that look like they have been left in this cave and something has crusted over them. Inside, there are candles all around, and it feels a bit warm. You can see a large congregation of people reading out of uh, small leather-bound books, uh, and Adrian is up up in front of everyone. Jonet maybe walks by one of these pots with the accumulation on it. He maybe runs his finger across it, to see if it like runs off and does a check on his uh, his fingers, he like smells it, and then he looks up. Are there are there pews or or seating in in an organized way? The, there are no pews or, okay. or yeah, anything yeah. of that sort. This this is a standing location. But as okay. you do that, as you uh, taste that, somebody who looks exactly like the person from the Last Jedi sort of as soon as you taste that uh he says it's salt uh and you realize that all this mineral covering is salt but huh. but yeah it's it's exactly that guy from from that trench so gotcha. if we ever get to make this tv show or movie i want to give that guy more work <laughs> <laughs> i was trying we i thought you were him like as that guy i thought you were like saying oh i just can't remember this guy's name but oh boy no, it's the salt guy. The salt guy, okay, yes. <laughs> Jonet looks up at the guy. I mean, is anybody worried about everything being caked in salt? Uh, he gives you kind of a strange look. I mean, that's always how it's been here. Okay. Um. So uh, am, I, am I too late or are we in the middle of this? Sorry if I'm... Just cutting it he, he he gives you he gives you a shush as oh, yeah. uh, the sound the the song sort of like coalesces and everyone sort of steps back and sits down as Adrian uh, steps forward. We can see that Adrian is in a very modest robe that is emblazoned with a I want to say stitched in symbol of the Church of the Slain God. 
Good evening, everyone, and welcome to evening services. I'm so happy to see everyone here, old faces and new. Um, and there are people in the church that sort of turn to Jonnet and uh, give him a nod. Hi, Janet Kessler, new. Hey. <laughs> now, we're all here because... Because we've done something wrong Uh, and kind of a somber mood moves over the crowd. And because of the wrong things we've done, we've lost someone very important to us, but we're here to make things as right as we can. Has anyone brought anything to offer the collection? And there is like kind of movements in the crowd and you can see people bringing out bits, which are, uh, parts of metal bars that make up currency that have been chopped down into a more spendable form. There are also people that have brought everyday objects. Uh, some people, you know, bring in candles or packets of spice or, or any, anything that has like a amount of value, but is also relatively small. Now, who would like to share with the congregation what sin they would like to expunge from themselves today. And I think uh, there's a little girl who's about eight or nine who springs up to her feet. Uh, She's got clutched in her hand uh, two bits made of iron. She looks determined, but perhaps a bit shy. And she says, I was caught in a lie. And she puts the bits down in front of Adrian and she looks around uh, nervously at the room, uh, especially to the person that you gather is her mother who is kind of eyeing her sharply. And Adrian sort of turns to her and holds, holds her eyes firmly, but you can see that she's like holding back a smile almost. Now, are you confessing because you were caught in a lie or because you told the lie? Uh, the little girl drops her head and says, I told a lie. Adrian looks up around the crowd and then back to the little girl and says, and what happens when we lie? And the girl says, to lie is to drip venom from the sovereign's lips. And why is that bad? To sin is to hold venom in the sovereign's heart. And the room joins in a chorus. And the sovereign is dead. And it is our fault. We'll skip over to Gable now. Gable, the festival's still going. Uh, There are people enjoying themselves, and you're making your way to a rather nice-looking bar. It's a smaller establishment uh, than the one you partied with Travis, Margaret, and Jonathan a little bit ago, but it appears to, you know, have a fresher sign inside the decorations are fancier and there are fewer people in this place. In fact, it is almost empty, but well, I'll have you make a perception check. 
Oh, geez. Okay. Yeah. More than Tyler plays the game, everyone plays the game. <laughs> pass. <laughs> everyone gets one pass per session. What's everyone the difficulty? Gets one veto. <laughs> Uh, the difficulty on this, uh, I'm going to call it easy. That's two? That's one. One. <laughs> Perception. Perception. It's two successes. Two successes? Two, uh, two successes? Right. That was two. There was two of them, two successes. Ooh, Gable succeeded at a thing. Well, excuse Clever. me. Smart. Uh, you notice that it is pretty much entirely occupied by members of the church, uh, probably people who came in on that boat. Um, do I notice if they're situated in a way like like a, a s- set of guards would position themselves to protect someone specifically, or is it kind of haphazard? It is more uh, haphazard. They are not guarding the place, uh, so to speak, uh, but they're the only people in there that that you can see apart from, you know, folks that you imagine are staff at this bar. Okay. Who am I meeting here, I guess? So the note just had the an address the, yeah. and a time. Okay. Then I will just sit at the bar. Well, I think as you try to go in, uh, before you even enter the location, you're sort of looking in the window right now. Um, mm. As you try to go in, there is a host uh, that is standing there. I'm sorry, uh, this place is uh, closed for a private engagement. Oh, uh, I'm sorry. Someone told me to meet them here. I am sure, I am sure, but unfortunately, as you can see, this, this place is reserved for members of the Church of the Slain God. So unless you have some kind of documentation, um, you'll be on your way. Are you? A shoo-shoo. A shoo-shoo. Huh. You aren't Get out here. of here with uh, your big stumpy boots and your haircut that looks very haphazard like you did it with a sword. Okay. I'll... Bet you're one of those Corsair types. Rough and tumble. Think you don't have to dress up nice to go to dinner. I'm sorry. Who? (laughs) That's all right. You don't just get to move engagements inside and say what you think is going on. We're going to make this a whole thing. You're going to make this. This will be a whole thing. Uh, Okay. Um, Great. What what's your name, sir? Uh Pierre. Pierre. Mm. Took you a long time, Pierre, huh? Okay. <laughs> All right. So, I think uh, the sad thing about this is the last guy who had this voice also was a Pierre. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and if we're going to do this, we're going to do this. Let's sit here. I'm gonna uh, Pierre, I am interested in you. How about you tell me all of your detailed backstory? And that way we can become friends. And then uh, oh oh I don't know. How about you just deliver onto me a, a bunch of side quests and then we can go on together and then we'll start our own campaign. All right? Uh, you would like to be friends with me? I'll need you to go out and pick six yellow flowers and bring them back here. Okay. I have an appointment inside and it is with 
I assume a representative of the Church of the Slain God, and I won't be deterred from it just because there is a foreign man who is obviously not from here with his (laughs) accent and looks and attitude because he is trying to get off on what little authority that he wields, okay? So uh, I'm gonna do go you and... have any proof of your meeting? Yes, I have. I do have proof, but I don't need to give it to you. I'm not going to give it to you <laughs> on principle. I don't need to, and I do have it. Absolutely, I do, but I'm going to say, you know what? Screw off. That's right. That's I said it. Screw off. Do you just push your way past this I do. I do push my... No, actually, no. Here's what I do. I say, oh, Pierre, I'm so sorry. Your shoe is untied. Oh, what is this? And then I was on time. And then uh, Gable like does the trick to like kind of flick him in the nose just as as he's looking down. What? And then punches him in the face. (laughs) 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 Yeah, I mean, he crumples like he's got he's got a full on glass jaw. You make your way inside. Everyone sort of turns to look at you. I have an appointment. A couple people move as though they're going to like stand up and try and force you out. Uh, But one person quickly rushes forward and grabs you and takes you to the back. Subtlety would be appreciated. I mean, for what? I don't even know what this is for. And that man was awful. I didn't like him at all. And I didn't know how to respond to him. And that makes me feel like I'm weak. Well, there's one of him in every city as kind of an Officer Jenny Noise Joy situation. It does. So it's, get it's, used to it. We're going to be one. seeing a lot more of Pierre. Pretty limited the range. The guy <laughs> slash rude restaurant host. It's going to be a big thing. It's going to be a big And you know what? Based on how this show goes, we're going to reveal in a couple of years that it's like actually a very big plot relevant thing. Yeah. So wait well, for that. We'll see. We'll see if I'm still around. (laughs) (laughs) A a door opens up and you are welcomed into a private room where you can see Lorenzo Arenzi sitting at a table in less formal church garb. So? They sent the big one. Great. Good. Have a seat. I have a name. I'm sure you do. Uh, you didn't tell it to me, so I'm not using it. Well, you didn't ask. That's not the polite thing, is it? Would you like some garlic bread? Yes, please. I'm a little bit drunk. I didn't need to tell you that. Okay. He gestures to one of the waiters. They they slide a, a warm basket of garlic bread in front of you. If this is not in regards to getting the tarp from your ship, it is wasting my time. And I've already desperately not enjoyed this encounter from the beginning. So you said you could do a favor for me. So I'm going to see if you want to do me a favor or not. Yes, we'll do you a favor. So we could let go of that tarp. You know, it's not that big a deal, but... I don't actually want to fucking be here. Then go? Yeah, well, I don't make all the rules, do I? I make some of the rules. I make some of the better rules. But the people who make the rules are all the bishops at the center of the church, sending people like me out to do the work that they don't want to do. But, but 
if I can perform a miracle, then I can go and say, hey, look at me. I did a miracle. I did some signs. I did some wonders. I can become a bishop. So I just need you, a person who's got no vested interest in all of this, to help me do a miracle. (sighs) You do that, I can get you your tarp. You could do a miracle. You could just wave your hand and pretend that you healed a child or something like that. I don't think the bishops are going to look into those kinds of things. If you want to be a bishop, they do look into that sort of thing because people don't like the competition. You got to do something that a lot of fucking people go, hey, that's a fucking miracle. And they clap you on the back. They give you a new fancy robe. And all of a sudden, people got to listen to you. If you can't pull off one of those miracles, you're stuck wandering around in one of these ships to to see a shithole like this every time some fucking farmer gets scared. What is up with you? (laughs) What's up with me is I got to be here in the middle of nowhere. The Red Feathers don't pass through here anymore. We already drank through all the good wine. That's gone. Nobody's dropping stuff here anymore. There's just cranberry jam and fucking whatever this is. Uh, And you see him holding up a bit of fabric that has been dyed and embroidered with the colors and dyes that uh, you've noticed are pretty common around here. This is the only good time of year, which is the only reason that I agreed to come here. That and they wouldn't stop writing the fucking letters. Letters? Uh, there's, uh, there's a Como here who, uh, is a little bit, uh, on the religious side. You are on the religious side. He sort of vaguely waves. I'm a part of the church. All right. Uh, you know, I, I knew a guy, my, my, my father knew a guy who knew a guy and I got this job. And it's all right, except for the fact that I got to go around to places like this occasionally when people won't stop writing letters. I have to say, I haven't interacted with a lot of representatives of the church recently for a very long time. Boy, I'm, I'm just so excited to find out that you're exactly what I thought. Can, you, can I see that scrap of fabric? <sighs> He tosses it over. Look, I don't need a high and mighty talk from a fucking Corsair. I know that you make your living shaking down, you know, people who are moving back and actually doing the work of transporting cargo, okay? Is the fabric, like, from Alex's shop? Because that also might mean, uh, is there an inscription? Because we said that he sews inscriptions into his... Why not? Yeah. This is, in fact, a shirt. It is kind of a Scandinavian print equivalent of a Hawaiian shirt. So, you know, this is an island time shirt. This is like kind of a parrot head shirt. Uh, But this is made by Alex. It's made by the nicest tailor in town. So, like, it's a good shirt. And it also has, like, a arcane inscriptions about how this guy's an asshole. Gable is looking at this. You know what? Sure. Why not? 
Strange, right. strange right. bedfellows, am I right? How about this? Yeah, what I, I mean, I certainly didn't expect to uh, come here and have fucking pirates yell at me. I didn't so, expect to come uh, here and have the church yell at me. So, well, we shouldn't even be here. <sighs> Tell me why. Tell They're me why. Writing letters. There are people who have been having bad dreams. They think the mariner's going to show up. Huh. How many? Eh, I mean, the letters have been getting more and more frequent, but uh, between you and me, every coastal town thinks the Mariner's going to show up. And Nordia especially, they they haven't seen a Mariner attack in ever, forever. Well, if they're asking for your help, why aren't you providing protections for them? Because they don't need our protections. It's a waste of time and money and resources. And, and most importantly, my time. <sighs> you don't know this. I know this because I got maps, okay? Here. He pulls out a map and goes, this is a genuine Ching company map, okay? They don't make better maps anywhere in the world. He taps on an insignia that has been laid on this very fine vellum map of Nordia and the area. It is a map that shows uh, the various heights of like the mountainsides. I'm trying to remember the type of map that is. You know the one with the lines that that show elevation. It might just be an elevation. I think it's map. an elevation. It's map, yeah. an elevation right. map. Uh, yeah. um, Topographical map. Actually. Right here. He takes out another flap to this map. This is what Nordia used to be. And you can see this kind of crescent moon peninsula that used to be jutting in front of it. The water rose after the stars fell, but this is what it used to look like. Nordia used to be a much bigger place. The water started rolling in and this land got covered up. But that also means that no boats can land near here. It's completely invincible. Anybody here who's worried about a mariner attack is telling themselves nightmare stories. Have you told the townspeople this? Of course. I tell them in letters. I tell them in letters and also saying the church is with you. The church smiles upon you. (sighs) But if I'm going to convince people that they're actually safe, I got to do something. Put on a bit of a show. I put on enough of a show, people stop sending in their complaints and start saying, hey, that Lorenzo guy did a fucking miracle. Maybe he should be a bishop so he can sit on his ass and feel it get fatter. This may be a silly question. And Gable's just kind of like ripping apart a garlic roll, playing with it. (laughs) Why don't you try doing a miracle? Because nobody does fucking miracles. There's the magic that they teach at the universities, but all those bishops clearly just put on a show for everyone else. There's no such thing as a miracle. Huh. Well, I guess that's a relief. Or awful, depending on who you are. Look, you're a pirate. A lot of people survive based on reputation and based on telling stories. Uh, Some people are transporting cargo through the sky. You fly a black sail. They stop their ship and they give you half of everything they got aboard. Why do they do that? Because your captain has a reputation for dunking everybody off a ship and painting the floors with blood and everything. Nobody fucking does that. 
I mean, maybe one or two people, but they're goddamn animals. Most of the time, you just show a sale and people heard a scary story, so they hand things over. Some communities like this are sitting up on a hill waiting for a scary man from the sea to come in and kill everybody. And they need a big ship with a bunch of cannons on it to feel safe. I'm just doing the other side of what you're doing. We're not so different, you and I. Okay, all right. (laughs) You could see that idea form and set in on James's face. (laughs) He got a big-ass smile right before he said it. (laughs) Lorenzo, why did you join the church? Because of the great wealth and comfort that it offers you? Or did... Were you ever attached to the sovereign? First of all, if there ever was a sovereign, it doesn't fucking matter because he's dead, right? That's kind of the point, yeah. Yeah, the wealth and the comfort. Why did you become a pirate? Was it the nice coats and big boots? Do you think my coat's nice? I'm getting a new one made, but I wanted to... I appreciate that. Thank you. I'm, you got into it because most of the time you're not having to work as hard as all the poor sons of bitches who are on red feather ships slaving away their lives just for a few bits to get a drink at the end of the day. That's not exactly why, but I don't think that I owed that to you. You don't strike me as a Tempest Armada type who got into it because you really think that the Red Feather Syndicate is doing bad stuff and you wanted to stop it. Or I, maybe you're a bit fucking religious. I don't know. I think we're done here. I will do you a bargain. I will ensure your miracle is performed. Keep your eye on the town square and when the sun sets, make sure you toast the axle. Perfect. Uh, great. So with that, I, I will as soon as that. Can we get takes the tarp place, down first, please? I don't pay pirates before they do their thing. You want to give me a deposit? Oh, I'm gonna play with fire. Of course, I'll give you a deposit. I'm getting a new coat anyway. How about you take this? And they take off their coat, and all they're wearing is like a very loose shirt right now. Mm-hmm. And so they throw down the leather coat on top of the table. Oh, wait, I've actually got things in the pockets. Let me kind of grab those real quick. (laughs) Gold. So what kind of move are you trying to make here? Are are, are you trying to just say that? I I legitimately don't have anything to give them. So I'm just taking off the clothes off my back. But I think Gable's also kind of getting off on the fact that like their scars are like this close to being discovered or something it's i honestly okay have, oh yeah no i i like this okay that that is sort of visualizing an undercurrent to the scene yeah yeah because yeah. you have this person who occupies a pretty high position in the church and does not believe any of it and you know for a fact that part of it is true at least so You sit there and, you know, it also kind of exposes your arms and your scars. You cut an intimidating figure and the coat is also particularly heavy. It lands on the table with a big, firm thud. He stares at it and stares at you. Well, I don't think your coat 
is going to be worth the tarp. But I also didn't really uh, bother to find out who happened to be sharing the port with me. Which captain do you serve under? The reason I ask is the church and the red feathers tend to work together pretty closely. And if you offered to me someone to uh, hold as a prisoner temporarily uh, while our agreement is in process, if I leave this place and offer the red feather, you know, a prisoner from a famous pirate ship, eh, then maybe it's worth my time to get rid of the tarp. Obviously, if you want your crew member to stick around, you'll arrange a miracle for me. <laughs> I, do, do we get a de- oh, I, I want a devil to show up on Gable's shoulder <laughs> and that devil is Travis uh, and then we'll have an angel show up on the other side and the angel of course will be Jonathan. <laughs> hmm. hmm. hey it's not worth it okay y- your crew members are family do you really want to offer up your family to be a prison uh, yeah you're right <laughs> Who needs family when you don't have family, right? You don't want to listen I don't know, to right. him. I'm you. You're me. I'm you. And I don't have an answer to that. Oh, that's right. We're all just uh, uh, we're, different we're all, reflections we're all of Gable your right now. So we're, this is stupid, Jonathan, and this is stupid, Travis. But <laughs> but still, why don't you, you go should... out and seduce someone? Okay, no, oh, right. no okay. you're not. It, you're it's me, the horny part. <laughs> I think we can all agree that, you that you're the That's bad the one. That's the worst here. one. Do you remember the last arc when we went out and had sex with a hot jouster? Okay, we should do that we're, again. We're, 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 uh, this is done. Yeah. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> kind of waving a cloud. <laughs> poof, poof, poof. <laughs> just him, though, right? <laughs> no. I can. Stick around. The no, stupid leave. John. It just pulls stupid Travis. No, we're poofing now. We're gonna we're gonna poof. <laughs> poof. Oh no no! I'm poofing, but because I want to. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, Travis in their ear. Gable puts their feet on on top of the table. Kind of puts their arms behind their back and says, "Why should I go get you a prisoner when you have?" The most powerful pirate on Oromar Vale's ship in your command right now. It's me. It's me. Uh, His eyebrows go up. Take me away. Handcuffs, please. That's the fucking Uhuru? The very same. You work for Oromar Vale? The very same. So you'll find it surprising, or rather... I found it surprising that it took so much trouble to get a simple tarp. Well, this changes things almost entirely. Guards! Uh, And people, like, come in the room. Oh, no! Please detain this Corsair, as we have just captured a member of the crew of Oroma Vale. Huh. <laughs> Whoopsie. And uh, the, the people, little 
friends pop up on either side. <laughs> <laughs> well, now this is this is a this is challenging because you and I were supposed to share a drink this evening, and this just makes it hard for me. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa! Hang on, wait a minute. No, we're doing this. This is the noble thing. This is, shouldn't be bad consequences. <laughs> No, Spit says, we're into handcuffs. Drop. Stop it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, drop a little bit off your shoulder. Maybe we can fuck our way out of this one. Stop it. Mm-hmm. No. How is your body able never to be that horny all the time? <laughs> oh, no. Gable got arrested. Oopsie doodle. Gable got arrested. Let's uh, cut over to Travis. Hey heroes, it's James, your Game Master, and welcome to the mid-roll. We don't have much to cover this week, so let's get to thanking our Patreon backers. Eric Thornburr, thank you so much. Evangeline Friedman, thank you. Jeremy Bort, thank you. Layla Hunter, thank you very much. Jackson Carboni, thank you. Brianna Betson, thank you very much. Kim Diana Jones, thank you. Justin Gibbard, thank you very much. Victor Mays, thank you. Annika Sauls. Thank you so much. Julia Rutledge. Thank you. Jared Hughes. Thank you very much. Jennifer Kodelka. Thank you. A.K. Skelding. Thank you very much. Or maybe that's Axe Skelding. Thank you. Michael Ellison. Thank you so much. Marcus Kelly. Thank you. Leverett Jequi. Thank you so much. Tyson B. Cram. Thank you. And Juliet Martin. Thank you so much. Thanks again to everyone who supports us on Patreon. Without you, we wouldn't be able to make this show. If you'd like to support this show and unlock some great Patreon bonus content, please head over to patreon.com slash one shot podcast and sign up to be a supporter. That support keeps me in a job and allows us to give work to Casey and all of the fine performers that you hear on this show. Now with all that out of the way, let's get back in the sky. So we're back in the apothecary. So heartbreaks. Oh, this seems like this is going to be really sad. You don't know the half of it. Well, lay it on me. Who have you lost? Well, have you talked to anyone about this? I mean, not, uh, I might've mentioned it in passing. Dear. This is clearly weighing on you. Your friend knows about this, right? Well, not entirely, probably. No, no, I don't, I don't think it's really come up much. Mr. Matigo, after you tell me about this. Mr. Matigo is my father. hmm? After you tell me about this. I'm going to tell you about friendships and how those typically work, where you tell people things about yourself and learn things about them. Well, I know how they typically work, but it's 
you know, it's my condition. It's just not quite so worthwhile anymore. You just told me that you have a friend who is as old as you at least, and the only way you want to die is if you won't leave them alone. Well, yeah, but when when you put it like that, it makes it sound, you know, nicer than it is. But I think you underestimate, first of all, how much I hate them, and second of all, how dumb they are. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Matigo, part of me is relieved that you will be confessing a very powerful secret to me because it will be one that has weighed on you for a very long time. The other part of me is deeply concerned that you've been living this way. It's the only way I know. And I'm mostly fine. Margaret uh, puts a hand on your shoulder and looks deep into your eyes. You are not fine. And it's also okay to admit that. Okay, I said mostly fine. We'll work on that later. But tell me, as she says that, she grabs a bottle off of one of the shelves and opens it and fills two small glasses. Uh, It's just some alcohol. Oh, my favorite. You might appreciate that the spell for solidifying a heartbreak is drinking together. Well, then I'm way ahead of you. Are you going to pay for any of this? Margaret is Uh, on... uh, Good, sorry. (laughs) Margaret is on our account. I'm the turtle that uh, works behind the station. (laughs) Hello. I'm actually being paid right now. Uh, these people owe me a favor. Yes, she saved my turtle family. You could just yep. say family. My turtle house and my turtle dog and my entire entire turtle bank account, Margaret, did What's save us. What's a turtle dog? Bark. A turtle dog is a little... <laughs> Bark. A li- look at him. That's a turtle dog right there. That's very insulting to uh, him. We already did all the animal jokes in the JPC episode. We absolutely can't bring more animals back. We didn't talk about a turtle dog. There's two turtle my dogs. My turtle dove. This is my turtle dove. And here's my partridge turtle in a pear tree. <laughs> Do you have any turtle turtles? What's that? I don't know. I just... There were turtle dogs. I assumed that there might be a... I don't want to dig too much more deeply into this because... No, it's I'm interrupting your nice conversation. I felt like that. I, with I apologize. <laughs> I really... Oh, talk about a heartbreak. <laughs> I was really looking forward to diving in. <laughs> Did you want well, me I here know. or no? <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll leave. Why Goodbye. don't you go into the back room? All right, I'll go real slow because I'm a turtle. Uh, a little um, turtle Travis <laughs> pops up on one shoulder, and a little turtle Jonnet pops up on the other. You don't oh, no, you've know got, who just we stay. are. <laughs> just stay. This is well. You know who I am. This is your store. Stay. <laughs> she know. should leave. No, but she said my turtle. You dog. should go. Fuck <laughs> that turtle husband of yours. I'm gonna do that one. Oh. <laughs> 
I'm definitely poofing because I want to. <laughs> you chose wrong. I'm going to stay and watch. He's gotten worse. I mean, he's leaning hard into the brand. Just getting real horny on main spinach. <laughs> well, Madigo, what have you got? Well, I'm sure you'll find it humorous. Um, her name was Margaret. And Margaret's eyes widen in surprise. We see the river. The waters are flooded over, rushing quickly past you as you're holding on for dear life. One to Margaret and one to a reed that has been able to resist the pull of the waves. I knew I couldn't hold on forever. And then out of the water a pale arm comes forward and crosses in front of Margaret's face, violently pulling her away towards the water. So I let go. And we see Travis and Margaret disappear under the waves. So you're under the water now, Travis. Do you continue to hold onto Margaret's hand? Absolutely. So then you're starting to die. Do you get water in your lungs? I, th I think so. I think that I try to obviously save her, try to swim to shore. And I think that we both start to drown uh, and are caught in just like the waves. But I think that the forest queen won't let me drown yeah I think what happens is as you are fighting fighting against the waves at first you're, you're, you're holding on to Margaret's hand perhaps if you let go or she let go one of you might independently be able to move towards the shore and save themselves but neither of you want to. You either want to survive together or die together. It's a decision that you made almost as soon as you met one another. And your whole lives together were living out that promise. You commit to death, commit to oblivion, and accept an end. You stop struggling. She stops struggling. You're pulled towards one another. Whatever violent force is pulling on her is batted away. And although it is cold now with the water around you and dark here, you feel a warmth and a light. And you can feel yourself passing away, but it's not violent. It's peaceful. And then your hand starts to change. 
it starts to recede into yourself. And desperate as you are, you cannot hold the form that you want to hold. You cannot wrap your fingers around Margaret's fingers because you don't have fingers anymore. Travis is slowly and horribly transformed into a snake as you feel the warmth and the light recede and disappear. And we know now why Travis, in 200 years, never attempted to change himself. Because the one time he wanted to control his form, more than any other, he couldn't. And so we're left back in the apothecary. And Margaret stares at you with wide eyes that are full of sorrow and fear. Was that a powerful enough heartbreak? Margaret nods slowly, takes a deep breath, and grabs one of the small glasses and raises it and sort of gestures to you to do the same. Travis raises his glass. There's a cheers, and Margaret downs her drink. Travis drinks his as well. Travis, why are you letting me help you? What do you mean? I didn't notice it before. The way you looked at me, I I had just assumed that you were infatuated. But I was guided here by a force larger than myself, and I share a name with this person. Travis, I know I look like her. It was... When I first saw you, it was... I felt something I hadn't felt in almost two centuries. It must have hurt you to kiss me. You know how... At the end of... You know when the seasons used to change? I'm older than I look, but I'm not quite that old. Well, back in my day, (laughs) the seasons used to change normally on a... You've heard. Summer was always when summer was, and winter was always when winter was. And there was always one day at the end of summer when you knew it was it was the last day of summer and the warm the warm breezes would be gone and it would be cold but you knew that summer would be back again someday so that last day was always sad because you'd have to wait but there was something nice about 
the feeling of knowing that it'd be back again someday. So the kiss was sort of like that that last day of summer. Only I never thought I would get that last day again. She wraps her hand around yours, and you can see that there are tears in her eyes. And she smiles sweetly. You can't keep hurting yourself like this. Well, for a a long time, no matter what I did, I'd wake up the next morning and feel, uh, you know, good as new. At least physically. And that's something. My spells, my powers wouldn't have worked unless unless you felt comfortable with what you're doing. The fact that you could look in the eyes of someone that you've lost and caused you so much pain for such a long time, so much pain that you never told a soul about it. Travis, that is a very deep wound. Well, at least um, the insides match the outsides now. And Travis raises his arm. (laughs) She slowly reaches her hand towards your injured hand, touches the arm. Once again, you can feel the pain there leak away. And she looks in your eyes. I will do everything in my power to heal you if you want to be healed. I trust you, and I know you will. Then what is your decision? I want to become mortal only if you can help Gable. Then I'll see what we can do. I say, is that you, my friend? Come a little closer. Did you bring my cider? Oh, thank you kindly. Ah, I do love a hot drink on a cold night. 
It is perhaps one of life's most delicious comforts. Now, are y'all settled? Well, sit down then. Get cozy. Wrap yourself up in that blanket. Good. Let's finish this up, shall we? So about a year into the construction of the Black Aldrin, the Swiftwell Courier Service was contracted to do a bit of information acquisition. Now, what does that mean? That means that an entity, other than ourselves, wanted to hire us to gather information on another particular organization. This is not something we used to do very much back in those early days, but the times, they were tough. And the organization we were tasked to gather from was not what I would call friendly. And I decided that it was uh, worth the risk. I sent three of my best couriers to gather that information, of which only two returned. It was a devastating blow to me personally. I had lost friends and couriers before, to be sure, but this is the first time it was due to a direct order I had given. But the information we were able to get not only helped our commissioner, but also helped quite a few people. And I could not ignore the good that could be done by gathering information in the services of which they needed it. So, for Thinner, Vronti, Patience Rebecca, and myself, came to the conclusion that if we were going to go into this end of the business, we would not be sending out untrained individuals. Thus, we created the Grey Aldrin, and we hired our first outsider to captain it. The name was Captain Wiltham Nott, and they were not my first choice. Neither were they my second choice. I thought they were too young, at only 27, to be taking on such a difficult undertaking. But Fathina insisted that it be them, and only them. And, wouldn't you know it, patience agreed. I was, how do you say, outnumbered. And so, we brought Wiltham in, not only to Captain the Grey, but also to teach our couriers how to gather information for our clientele. The whole affair didn't quite set right with me when we started. Honestly, I think it was because I had lost a courier to the line of this work. I was afraid of losing more. But Wiltham was a good teacher and a master of their craft. And I warmed to their methods and eventually to them. The Grey Aldrin has never had any other captain but them. And they are a mysterious personage. You know, you will never meet a happier person. They are all smiles and jokes and spontaneous dancing. But if you look behind those eyes, there rests a person who has done deeds you cannot imagine. In fact... I do not wish to imagine. <laughs> it was a long time coming, but Wiltham garnered from me a respect that would take a powerful blow to shake. The Grey Aldrin, frankly, gathers information from all corners of the globe, not just for us, but also for respected and proven clients, like the information desk at Bougenie. The Grey Aldrin goes about this in, in many, many ways, but most of the time it's through tricks and being clever. Now, Wiltham has never told me directly what they look for in a candidate for apprenticeship, but 
I've noticed some trends. The candidate tends to uh, be unassuming. They are those that tend to blend into crowds or perhaps not recognize the depths that are hidden within themselves. The candidate is also usually clever and always wonders how to ask the right questions. I have heard that life aboard the Grey Ardron is full of games. Games of chance, games of skill, games of which you may not even know you are a part of until you have won, or perhaps lost. <laughs> Everything is a competition and a challenge, and over it all, Captain Wiltham not stands with a radiant and knowing smile. And that, my friend, is it. That's it. That is all four of the Aldrins. Well, there's obviously more in-depth stories to tell, but at least for now, you have a good, firm foundation on which to understand them. And with that, I think we will call it a night. I know, I know. You wanted to hear another story, but I believe that it is time to end this chilly evening chat. For now. Now run along home now, before the night grows too old. And don't you worry about me. I'll get home all right. Oh, and remember my friend. Anytime you want to hear a story, you just come and find old Cory and a swift well by the fireside. I'll be happy to oblige. Good night. Campaign Skyjacks is a one-shot network production. For more information, be sure to follow us on Twitter at, at @campaignpod for updates about live shows and other events we might be doing. You can find more great gaming shows over at oneshotpodcast.com. Like The Broadswords. The Broadswords is an all-women D&D podcast focused on drama, roleplay, and subverting stereotypes. Join the Broads as they unravel the mysteries of the Snowy Rashomon, a land ruled by witches steeped in superstition. Berserkers reign, and spirits roam the frozen wastes. Yalaris, Kila, and Maypri all have their own reasons for journeying north, but soon they discover they have something in common. They are pawns in a divine plot. You can find the Broadswords on iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcast app. Jonnet Kessler was played by Tyler Davis, who can be found on Twitter and Instagram at Tyler A. Dave. Gable was played by Liz Anderson, who can be found on Twitter at Liz Anderson underscore underscore underscore, or on her podcast, Paired. Travis Matigo was played by Johnny O'Mara, who can be found on Twitter at Johnny and Briefs, or on his podcast, Dilettante Ball. I am James D'Amato, your host and game master. You can find me on Twitter at OneShotRPG, or on my other podcast, One Shot. The original music featured in this production was composed and performed by Arnie Parrott. You can find Arnie on Twitter at A-R-N-E-P-A-R-R-O-T-T. And you can find more of his work at atptunes.com. This episode was edited by Casey Tony, who can be found on Twitter at Casey Pony, spelled C-A-S-E-Y-P-O-N-E-Y. Or on his own podcast, Neoscum. Our logo was designed by Fiona Shea, who can be found on Twitter at Fiona Pup. The world of Sphere was inspired in part by the music of the Decemberists and the card game Illimat, property of Together Studios. The game used in this production is a modified version of the Genesis role-playing system. 
that was created by a talented group of game designers who were fired by a private equity firm owning Fantasy Flight Games. There are no kings. Take flight, heroes. Strangers who've ever been kind, and once for our friends ne'er to rise. Twice to the dearest we're leaving behind, who know we can never deny the call of the skies.